You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Night here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2014 documentary, found footage, mockumentary, you tell me, world, Digging Up the Marrow. Which serves as a wonderful lead-in to Nightbreed, which the two couldn't be any more dissimilar, yet are about the exact same thing where the monsters live. Perhaps, perhaps Adam Green unwittingly made a prequel to Nightbreed. Think it about it. It basically is because all it needs is, you know, cutscene, then Boone waking up from a nightmare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is basically how the next episode of Dead Air is going to roll because we're going to cover this and then we're going to be cutscene into Boone waking up from nightmare. But... Yeah, uh, you had put it quite eloquently, if I might say. I do that sometimes. Or not really eloquently. You had said no one but Adam Green could have made this movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, someone could have made a, a movie very much like it, but it wouldn't have been such a horror fan's horror film without the injections of all of the convention footage, all the other actors and directors that and, and artists that get screen time in this film it almost plays just like a horror convention documentary absolutely and and i don't even mean that uh euphemistically that like if you were to exercise adam green from this film it's not the same movie at all no you can you could say monsters living under the ground but that's not that that is a, a, a distillation of this film uh, to the point in which all the nutrients have been pulled out of it. That's uh, that is um, you know still water. That is that is not Willow Creek. Yeah, that is not w- suitable for consumption. Yeah, um, and this is what I wanted from Willow Creek in a way. Even though I know Willow Creek is going to be something very very fucking different, this is sort of this answered what I was longing for with Bob Cat Goldthwait's Willow Creek. But, yeah. Anyway, actual monsters. Um, This is the horror fans' horror film, and I think it's distilled so very well in the scene where they are showing some footage, and Adam Green, and I'm not going to, like, jump right into it, but Adam Green says, like, what do you think? And someone's response to this footage that they've captured out in the woods is, cool, what's it for? (laughs) And I, I love that, because if you can you know, suspend disbelief and believe that you're doing some, like watching something that's true story from Adam Green and not a film he's made. What's it for? Mm -hmm. Because monsters exist. That's what it's for. No, this is real. This is really, really real. And I can't see anyone else really behaving much differently than they behave in this film. Mm. If you wanted it to be a lot more polished, people would be acting a lot more differently, but they act quite naturally. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that about this film. Yeah, yeah, me too. There's definitely a lot of things to recommend 
about this film and uh, and some things that I struggled with. This is a Lydia pick. Yeah. And and not only is this a Lydia pick, this is a Wes knew nothing pick. Wes hadn't even seen the trailer. Wes nope. hadn't didn't read a thing about it. No, I promised I wouldn't. I'd go in cold. And the original inception of SpiderPictures.net and even the Dead Air podcast was, let's explore things that we don't know. So a lot of the early episodes are either first-time watches or things that we are showing each other. Um, and then and then we kind of... I, I wouldn't say we, we uh, lost the plot. I think that we just... We sold know. out, man. We sold out. <laughs> we started covering movies that people wanted us to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, it started with the fan requests, and then it just turned into, nah, fuck it. I just want to do movies that I like. Um, it's, no, so really, I, I think with the Dead Air podcast and 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 with our, our uh, show in general, it's just that when we dis- when we realized that people liked us talking about horror movies that were pretty popular, uh, I think that's when things sort of shifted. Um, and it's all about like revisiting old classics and then seeing new stuff. But I'm glad that we were able to do a do a really a classic move here in which it's I, I know nothing about this film. Yeah, you, you go back in the early episodes and there's quite a few of those that I know nothing about or you know nothing about. I liked that. I like that, and we'll have a few more of those coming up actually we do, over the yeah. summer, and we'll be hitting some favorites and things that actually scared us, which is. Sort of was the impetus for this, not just a thread how to get to Nightbreed, but we had just covered a bunch of Blair Witch for our 149th and 150th episodes. Blair Witch on like the Blair Witch Project specifically that scared you. Yes. Found footage film. I can see the thread between digging up the marrow and the Blair Witch. We're in the woods, Wes. We are back. We're in the woods, but it's not a scary way. It's it's a park. Yeah, it's a, it's a cemetery in a park. It sort of reminds me of the runes up at Gatineau. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, it also kind of has a thread to one of the films that we've covered that scares me. was Frozen. Adam Green's Frozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Have we ever done another Adam Green movie? Was Frozen the first one? No, we're, we should really hit a hatchet. Hatchet. I, I have hatchet, so we could definitely... Yeah, yeah we could do a hatchet. Do a hatchet job. <laughs> hatchet it to pieces. We will. Well, it's just fun. It's it a is fu- just it's, fun. It's a fun film and uh, and and cool to 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 dive back into slashers. Um, yeah, so I was excited to do this. I'm always excited to learn new stuff about horror. I've increased my knowledge now. When someone <laughs> says, "Hey, Wes, ever seen Digging Up the Marrow?" I can say confidently, "Yes." And more Adam Green stuff, and you get to know a lot more about Adam Green, and you got to see his dog Arwen because that's the most important thing in all of. Horror fandom, mm-hmm. and we know it is how Adam Green is back, fucking fixated on his dog. We also got to see Aeroscope Studios before it got flooded out, mm-hmm. which is super cool. Like, I'm not so much of a collector, you're a quasi collector, I guess. Like, you don't collect a heck of a lot of stuff, you collect a lot of movies, I do, you yeah. have some collectibles, I do, but yeah. nothing quite like those walls of extravagant yeah 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 he's got some cool stuff he's got some vintage uh toys and stuff like that stuff that i used to have too but uh unfortunately my parents decided that it was all garbage well just think if you would have kept it you might have had it all in one spot and i got flooded and we'll have to say that he had a lot of that stuff because he doesn't anymore yeah yeah he also doesn't have a wife anymore 
Yeah, she's in this too. She Talk is. about artifacts. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, time capsule for him. He could go back and, and look at it. It's definitely the most personal a film or perhaps the most true to life to a director's life in a film that I've perhaps ever seen. It's true. Like are, are any of them yeah. really acting ever? Like, yeah. Cause he is, he is talking about, uh, he is talking about his love for monsters. He is talking about why he would want something like this to be real. And in that he's telling you the impetus of making this film, the impetus of making a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. And also I like that. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's also, as as a person who hangs around a lot of comic book people, as a person who hangs around movie people and shit like that, I love how basically everyone's just wearing merch all the time. <laughs> well, we got merch like fucking closets full of this shit. Yeah, it's like it, it's like how um, you can tell someone does the convention circuits, or they know a lot of um, bands or movie people or comic book people because they basically have a drawer that's nothing but lanyards. <laughs> yep, a drawer that's something but lanyards. See, this is why I turn down swag. I turn down swag, like left, right, and center, and I have to. I always have. It's been I've been hard pressed to collect things at conventions, mm-hmm. um, especially if I'm working where there is swag to be had, and a lot at the end, like after Sunday cleanup. There's a lot of trading, swapping, giving that goes on, and being a bit of a minimalist, it's just not in me to have a lot of that stuff. Mm. But I think I've seen every single design there ever was for the film Frozen now. Yeah. It actually, it made me realize, I was like, fuck, man, some of those Frozen t-shirts are pretty tight. I'd definitely get one of those. Or five of them. Yeah. Did you yeah. remember uh, Did you remember the old Fright Rags Frozen t-shirt where it was all of them sitting on the chairlift and they were all skeletons dead no. leaning on each other? It's a gorgeous t-shirt. Obviously, it's out of print. Yeah. I only mentioned that because there's even like a Fright Rags t-shirt so, like, this is the most horror fan horror shit. Like, you look at everyone and say, oh, there's Tom Holland. Oh, there's, there's Kane Hodder. Oh, this dude's wearing a, a well-known Fright Rags t-shirt. Like, it really looks like a horror convention come to life. That also has got some weird footage in a park that has, like, Slimers with chicken feet and shit. <laughs> Slimers <laughs> with chicken feet. So, before we get into it, uh, speaking of horror fans and horror, you know... Not horror paparazzi. What's a word I want to use for this? Like us fans plus beyond fans plus horror journalists for Ooh. fuck's sakes, Wes. I want to say hi and thanks to Andrew Tadman for checking out our show. And he sends a note once in a while. I've known Andrew virtually for quite some time before we were regularly recording Dead Air. I was on a little known podcast called Dead is Hell Horror Podcast. And Andrew at the time had a segment on this sort of magazine. It reminded me a lot of the old Rue Morgue Radio, where it was like different segments. And I had covered anime, horror anime on this show. And there was a larger segment that covered film. And Andrew had a section called Paper Cuts that he would review horror books. So he continues to do that to this day, but for Scream Magazine, which is so lofty. And I've always been so congratulatory of him for spreading his word on horror fiction, because there isn't enough of it in horror magazines, as far as I'm concerned. There isn't enough of it at conventions either. But to know he's doing a fantastic job out there, 
And at the same time, he's still just a horror fan like you or I. So he takes in these these things like our show. So I'm just so stoked that he enjoyed our Blair Witch episodes. Uh, so much to leave a comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Scream Magazine is a horror uh, periodical uh, out of the UK that is... Um, Gaining ground it's in, in an era over here, yeah. yeah. In an era where people would be kind of shocked that horror magazines are still around, uh, old stalwarts like uh, Rue Morgue magazine and now Fangoria is back. But um, a Scream magazine kind of came out the gate a little while ago. It was only available in the UK, but then they started uh, uh, publishing elsewhere outside of the UK and here in Canada you can get Scream magazine and it's a good magazine like the, if it if, is yeah. if you're if you're if if you like Rue Morgan you like Fangoria you are going to like Scream magazine so i mean that's a it's a cool it's a real boon for him and uh, and for us it's it's nice it's and nice. for them and for horror authors <clears throat> so i've all just been in awe of his perseverance mm-hmm. as far as that because i could see a lot of editors being like man we have a little book review column and that's it but you know he brings the column to life because he's always had such a passionate look toward horror fiction and that's where a lot of these movies come from mm-hmm. we should really do a little spotlight on books that have been turned into horror i know we stumble upon it from time to time and i've mentioned it before but maybe we'll come up with a little clutch of horror movies we haven't covered already mm. that have come from books or little known ones mm-hmm. that's something to do and of course every year we do our Stephen King of Halusa. Oh, I mean yeah. Stephen King is Stephen King right he's a very he's, oh, pretty, he's, so he's, po- he, he's popular yeah. I don't know if you know that I do I do <laughs> it's weird when you when you start reading an author that you don't know other people are into and they're like you ever read the Steve King stuff? yeah yeah a Stephen King Stephen King oh my god <laughs> I would love to stumble upon the person that calls him Stephen King. Hey there, uh, Stephen. Uh, really liked your uh, Missouri book that you did. Oh my God, it's Missouri. <laughs> oh, Missouri. Yeah, it's one thing I learned having uh, an American husband is how to pronounce things properly. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Um, I just wanted to do a quick shout out uh, to Teresa, uh, the comic book that I do for Webtoons. I was just like, Teresa doesn't exist, Wes. She, she's up here. Yeah. Hey, Wes, is Teresa there? Can we talk to Teresa? (laughs) Um, We recently crossed 200 subscriptions. We're way past that now. Uh, But we crossed 200 subs. We're over 10,000 views. We have completed the Darkness arc. um, And there's some new stuff coming. Uh, But we are... The only thing that I wanted to mention, really, is that we are taking a bit of a hiatus. Chris Begarn has been working his ass off getting these pages to you. And my boy, my sweet boy, needs a break. Like He's got to grow that ass back. He's got to grow that ass back. But, of course, just today, he sent me, like, a a dynamic photo of uh, Teresa and the character Samantha, like, in battle. And I'm like, what's this for? He's like, got to stay sharp. I'm like, okay. I was like, we'll throw it up on Patreon. Um, or, uh, and then uh, Creature Concepts. I'm not going to fucking reveal our new monster, uh, but I'll show Lydia later. <gasps> Yahoo! <laughs> I, I, we've, we've been teased with monsters today. So I wouldn't mind some more. And I'm not even a monster girl. Like, that's the thing. But about you'll like this monster. Yeah? Because this monster is based on real folklore. Oh, even better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Scottish folklore. <gasps> I'm intrigued. Oh, I have. Oh, my little brain is just all going all Sonny Bean and stuff now. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that I I wanted to do was like start and incorpor- like I love creating monsters and I love 
new stuff uh, coming from my brain, but I also wanted to incorporate uh, stuff that's out there already. Myths and legends. Uh, so s- screw new stuff. Old stuff. Myths and legends. You went to our favorite haunt that we never go to the mayfair theater lately i did yeah on the mayfair theater is is a place that we love we've done episodes centered around the mayfair theater because we've done 1922's nosferatu a symphony of terror which was a super fun outing and a super fun episode so it was and in the same vein watching a silent film accompanied by live music is something that the mayfair theater does and if you've if you don't live in the Ottawa area, I can understand that this stuff like this is frustrating, but the idea of going to see Haxon, which is a documentary, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, about uh, Satanism and witchcraft and how it relates to then-modern 1920-ish uh, world. Fascinating, fascinating film, accompanied with live music. You see it up on the big screen. And again, like seeing a film that is encroaching on its centennial. Yeah. And you get to see it in a in a big screen, accompanied by live music, violins, guitars, uh, percussion, and well, the water phone. The water phone, which they always bring out, it's so good. No theremin this time, but uh, still. Anyway, yeah. So just like shout out to Mayfair, and thanks to them, I have seen Nosferatu three times, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I've seen Faust. And now I've seen Haxon. I mean, like, I'm really crossing off classic silent horror to watch on the big screen. And even though that theater is relatively young, it (laughs) opened in 1935. (laughs) So it isn't that old, but it feels old enough. And it is an old lady of theater, an old girl. So you can probably just kind of close your eyes and imagine, or keep them open because you're watching a movie, and imagine what it was like to see that in theater the first time, Mm -hmm. which is the only distribution method that existed for films back then. So you can sort of put yourself in the shoes of audiences back then, which is fascinating, especially with live music. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite thing to do. You know that. Like I love to imagine what authentic audience reaction is. Like I'm not that young anymore, but I'm still young enough that... A lot of the classics passed me by, and and I and I only saw them on TV, or I've seen them when the world's seen them a billion times, and so you know, like what would have been like to watch Halloween in 1978 with everybody else? What would have been like to watch Black Christmas? Uh, my dad told me stories about it, and that's me. I'm like, I, I see like an elder. I'm like, tell me about. <laughs> Tell me about seeing Black Christmas. I don't care about the war. What I want to know is about when you went to the stand in line to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, like what was that like? You know, like you know, asking my mom. I'm sure you've asked your mom stories oh, like this. Yeah. Like asking my mom, like like uh, when the Manson murders were happening. Like what was that like? Like what were? I was like, tell me about the news reports. Tell me about this, that, and the other thing. Like, you know, like so. I'm always a million questions about movies. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm not a million questions, but I am of one question, Wes. Was that? What is this movie even about anyway, Wes? This movie is if you gave a child a big thing of plaster scene and said, make me a Slimer and then put sticks, <laughs> sticks for arms and legs and said, and then your son hands you back this Slimer with sticks for arms and legs, and you say, what's this, son? And he says, 
It's Slimer with feet. You really stuck on the Slimer, which it looks feet. like Slimer. And I will say, I will say that the creature on the box looks like a Chud. Chud. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And okay, you had a jump scare. I saw you have the only real jump scare I've ever seen you react to. And it wasn't necessarily, like, I would have never thought, like, oh, there's jump scares in this film. I got biblical. I said I invoked the name of the Lord. You did. You did. You <laughs> spooked me with your jumping because I did not expect that. You are a jump scare, sir. How did I... that feel? <laughs> I feel, like, more powerful and perhaps a little humiliated. No, it was, um, I knew... I was getting a feeling that I was going to be, I was like, there's something with the light and these things. Like you, like this old man is pointing at this spot and saying, look, it's right there. And the camera's there, but it's, they're also kind of doing that thing in TV and movies where they turn off the lights and you can still see everything clearly, but it's basically in a blue scale. And they're saying, oh, it's pitch black, but you can't really have things pitch black because then it's the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but it's certainly not what they're going for. So, I mean, them saying, like, I don't see anything, it's too dark. And you're like, it's not really that dark, is it, though, in that scene? And then you put the spotlight on, and then this fucking Ghostbuster monster is right fucking there, like, screeching and shit. Oh, it got me. Oh, yeah. I was like... I was really like I was. I was doing everything that the filmmakers wanted me to do. I was like leaned in. I was like hyper focused. I was trying to see something because you know what I was thinking. I was thinking that it was going to be like perhaps, um, you know, Troll Hunter. You know, like where you see the trolls and they're they. You can't like yeah. Sometimes when it's like huge pan shots and it's a giant troll with like two heads, it's like whatever. But the smaller ones. It kind of looks like the trees or the rocks are moving a little bit. Or in Hell House LLC, where if you look in the background, you're like, oh my God, I see the shadow of this thing. And it's mm. just at the end of the hallway. And then the camera pans back and it's gone. But you're studying the background still. Mm -hmm, so you were mm -hmm. studying the background. Yeah. And so, no, yeah, they got me. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. I'm sure they've gotten a lot of people too. Because at that point, it's not really about... And a lot of this movie isn't really about that it is a horror film and you're you know suspending disbelief and in for the ride for a horror film you're as a horror fan paying very close attention to the fact that this is a horror documentary filmmaker being approached by a fan who has proof question mark about actual monsters living so you're not really like on a hunt for monsters you're following along with a friend of yours in a way. Adam Green's our pal now. Mm -hmm. Hey, Adam. <laughs> I don't know, Adam Green. Uh, but you feel like this kinship with him because of the whole intro of the beginning, spending so much time talking to other horror creators, some we may or may not know or may be very, very familiar with or trust, you know, and we're sort of outside of our I'm watching a horror movie brain mindset in more like I'm watching um, some footage shot by people I know and trust. So I think it really throws you for a loop to have a jump scare all of a sudden in the middle of what feels like convention after hours. Yeah. It's not. It, it definitely seems more of a documentary that would perhaps be like a year in the life of Adam Green. Uh, and then every so often they put 
scenes in with Deckard, who's this old gentleman who claims to be a former Boston police officer who has evidence that people... How should I say this? So there are birth defects amongst the human population, and they'll, they'll demonstrate some pretty uh, shocking ones. And then they say, well, what happens to all these babies? And, it, and it, it's like, they don't die. They get discarded. And you're like, all right, I guess. And then this idea, when he's first describing it, it sounds exactly like Nightbreed. Like it sounds, it sounds like there's this metropolis underneath the ground that he refers to as the marrow. Um, appropriate marrow between bone and shit. Yeah, like so. inside. Yeah, deep inside. But like also, um, you know, there's, uh, it's not solid. There's like catacombs in your bones and stuff like that. There's yeah, like uh, it's like porous. Porous. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so he is describing this place, and and they have a full on society with marriages and divorce and children and and so so on and so forth. You you start getting this um, this sense of um, a society that he is trying to describe, but is somewhat hidden. Now there are holes, burrows, places that these things can come and go from. They only come out at night and he has seen them. He has been seeing them his entire life since he was a child. The, he describes a, a snakish type man and uh, he's described others as they, as, as the years have progressed and, and so he has basically dedicated his life to categorizing as many as he possibly can. And he's got like the the uh, experts hovel thing going on, like you know, crook boards and strings. Oh yeah, and... you want a library crime scene here? Like it, he, he yeah, cork boards and strings. Yeah, and and, and artist renditions and newspaper clippings galore. Yeah, yeah, and and just um, like here's a box, like a, a stationary box, and it just says Salem on it, and you're like, oh, I'm sure there's like files and, and stuff in there or whatever. <laughs> I like the jazz hands you added with the files. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to like imagine what Adam Green would be like. Like, just say Salem on it. <laughs> I really love Ray Wise acting in this because that helps. I think it might have been Chris and I talking about this because this is a, is a favorite of Chris's as well where if they had had another horror person or an unknown person in this, no matter how compelling they'd be. Uh, I think there would have been something a little bit lost in there. Having Ray Wise particularly, because you could almost just like take it to another direction and be like, maybe they just don't recognize Ray Wise and it's actually Ray Wise saying he's Decker. But um, having him, I question, is he even acting? Because he has such a, a strangely typecast persona that probably isn't too far off of Ray Wise, the actual human being. He comes off very, very similar to a lot of those characters as well in this. And it fits so very well for the actual and fictional version of Ray Wise that we think we know. Mm-hmm. So I think it just works so very well. And when he's telling that first story, all the like, I'm filming this with a little bit shaky handheld. Who cares about this documentary we may or may not actually make because it seems like it's on shaky footage, shaky ground to begin with as far as its veracity. 
the camera gets very still, the lighting gets very close, the sound gets very quiet, and Ray Wise is being taken very seriously by us, at least. Not so much Adam Green and Will Barrett, who are filming this documentary. But his first story about seeing a monster by a woodpile when he was young, the way he's describing it, it's kind of harrowing. Yeah, I mean, when someone... Typically speaking, when you have um, expert characters in film, you need a character actor that can authentically sell you the premise of the film. That's genuinely what they're there to do. They're either there to explain to you the film's thesis or perhaps expand upon lore, but they need to be, in my opinion, the most convincing character in the entire film. You can have other people be shaky on it and and they could be lesser actors and you could chop that up as the audience as people in a state of disbelief or you know slight they're incredulous so they don't or like if they would have put Matt Garris in the position of Ray Wise I didn't believe a word he said and this film would fall apart because I don't even believe Matt Garris is anything but a cutout a cardboard cutout of himself in this film yeah uh, hi I'm Matt Garris <laughs> I say some words blow my face out whatever yeah yeah it's not uh it's not very of all the non-actors in this he was the most cardboard cutout person in this but it's via v ray wise who is selling this role yeah he really is selling it and and so that story is quite creepy and it's quite good and he is the the thing about deckard is what he really wants to get across is well, it's kind of hard to say what he's trying to get across. He wants this story to be told. He wants people to know about this, but he really wants it to be known on his terms. He wants he he wants certain things known, but not everything known, and he wants them to be respectful um, because of the fact, and he'll allude to this in a later story, which I, I liked quite a bit, um, that these things are dangerous. Or it can be dangerous, much in the same way that our society contains within it dangerous people. But it's also important to know that even though he does refer to them as monsters, and I suppose by the classic definition of monsters, uh, he's accurate. But he also wants you to know that this is not about the thinning of the veil. This is not liminal space. This is These are people. They, they're real people. They're not scary. They're just misunderstood, mm-hmm. which doesn't really jive with him reminding us that they're dangerous as well. But. True. And, and and that is totally what is turning Adam Green's uh, crank because he is that person almost trying to do the less articulate Guillermo del Toro sympathy for monsters yeah. type, type stuff. Um, well, it's like a six-year-old kid. The hopping out, and he describes himself like I wanted to see in the closet. I wanted to look under my bed because I wanted the monsters to be there, and I wanted to go with them, you know. And he's still kind of stuck in that six-year-old, and a lot of monster kids are. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily a monster kid, so to speak, but I know a lot of people that are monster fans mm-hmm. that have that same sort of childlike glee. And if Godzilla were stomping through our city, I know I'd be running in fear, but they might just find a perch and try and, you know, hold out as long as I could and giggle to themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's real. Like that's Adam. That's where Adam Green will be. There's a certain, uh, I think that there's a certain aspect to, to loving monsters 
that comes from the fact that a lot of kids would have seen the Toho monsters, kaiju, and and uh, weird mutants on like Saturday matinees, like on television and stuff like that. Like it was, it would be in conjunction with Saturday morning cartoons that you would watch a Godzilla movie. So there's that whole pajamas and cornflakes attitude that you have towards these things. And, and like, cause I was a, a died in the wool monster kid. I loved that type of shit. And I still do. Like I fucking bought deadly mantis. <laughs> so, um, pajamas and cornflakes. Yeah. That, that is what, that is what, when someone says monster kid to me, that is what comes off. Pajamas and cornflakes, like that is what completely seen here. Completely. Yeah, and 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 so there's that sort of um, childlike joie de vivre that uh, Adam Green projects, and that energy and that enthusiasm actually hides some shaky acting on his point. Like, because like there's a lot of times where a lot of people are delivering lines where I don't believe it. Like when he's in a room with people showing them footage and trying to convince them of things at no point does as like, this seems very staged to me. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you know, he's asking people who aren't really actors, except for Kane Hodder, who is um, to act. Although like, you know, Kane doesn't always have to talk that much, but like, um, and editing helps, but like, uh, but you know, a lot of his friends, like they seem like they're delivering lines yeah. to me. And 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 even people who are actors, I think it's just kind of weird. It would be like if I'm an actor, I'm a professional actor and shit, but then you were just like, oh, Wes, we're going to do like a movie and it's like my own thing and like we're going to film here. I would have a hard time getting in that headspace, I feel like, because we're in your living room and we're talking like you're Lydia and I'm Wes and this is supposed to be real. And, I, you know, I think I'd probably do it. But like, Well, I think sometimes he must have put them on the spot, too. And he probably put himself on the spot where it's just like, well, let's just film a bit for this. And we'll just say this and have this interaction. I definitely feel like that Tom Holland scene was that. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, there's no way that he told those guys like five minutes beforehand. Like, do you want to like do a thing in my movie? And like. Can you, like, kind of make fun of me a little bit and then, like, say, like, make my face blurry like this is cops or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's what it seemed like. No real lead-in, no real prep, no necessarily script, just loose point-form yeah. notes. And, and, like, we're talking, like, one take, one, two takes yeah. tops, right? Yeah. And then you're, you're out of there because they got to go do their own things. But, yeah, so, like, and that doesn't hurt the film, but it does seem, I will say, that scenes where it's just Adam Green... And uh, Deckard, and uh, who's the other cameraman? Will Barrett. Oh, sorry, yeah. Will, those scenes actually seem like a movie to me, whereas all the other scenes really do feel purposefully amateurish. Yeah. Um, like when they're going over footage and stuff. I'm really trying to make other people believe this. Yeah, that's, that's where I feel like the only people who really like this idea is like... Will and Adam, and and that's the only people that are like. And I suppose that's the sort of treatment that Decker would have gotten his whole life from anyone else he tried to convince. Because it seems at the beginning that he has purposefully gone to Adam Green only to give him exclusive dibs on covering this, and then it turns out later on, much to Adam Green's chagrin. That he has propositioned everybody in fucking horror Hollywood. Really makes him feel um, like he just found out that his 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 wife like slept with like ten thousand people or something like that. He feels really betrayed. Like it's yeah. it's weird to me that um, 
it's weird to me that it bothers him. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't even occur to me. Like it wouldn't, uh, like it wouldn't bother. Me. Yeah, it just wouldn't bother me at all. Maybe he just felt foolish, and like he, like he does admit, like I felt embarrassed. But yeah, up until that point, we're we've gone from like he's being taken for a ride by this crazy old guy, and Ray Wise does play a crazy old guy pretty well, and. Then there's like little tidbits where whether Ray Wise is crazy or not, I'm interested because he's got them out in this fucking cemetery at four in the fucking morning over and over again. He's admitting to having chased these things for what, like two decades. He's found six different entrances. He has done a lot of footwork and research and moved around the country chasing after the marrow. So it's not just that he's some crazy person. He's a very mobile, active, capable crazy person, which is fascinating if he's crazy. And he has secrets of his own. He won't talk about his son that he mentions once and then backtracks on that and won't mention him again. He has this locked up basement door in his house, which is compelling. And he snaps at people. He is completely controlling. Like like you'd said, he wants the story to be told, but told on his terms. And he might be crazy, which creates a really kind of compelling story. You have moments where Deckard is saying things that sound very convincing, particularly if you want to believe him anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he'll toss in one of the entrances to the marrow is at an IHOP. They like pancakes. <laughs> Everybody likes pancakes. And and then you have other instances where he's just pointing at nothing. There's nothing there. He's like, look, it's right there. It's right there. Can you see it? Turn the, turn, the, turn the lights off. Like it's right there. It's right there. And like they're pointing a camera at nothing. There's nothing there. Like I'm sorry. And so you're just saying to yourself, "Is oh, is he like schizophrenic? Is he off his meds? Like?" And he's also mentioned that well, people would think I'm fucking schizophrenic if I came up with this story, which I think is a is a terrible usage of schizophrenia because that's not exactly how schizophrenia works. But no, either way, I, I know. But then, in the middle of one of those scenes where you're convinced that they've been dragged out into the dark in this parkland cemetery by a, a Looney Tune, and all of a sudden the lights come on and there's a fucking monster and Wes jumps out of his skin. I do. Um, it's funny because the monster really does look like something that would be from Ghostbusters to me. Like, there's something later that literally looks like a Slimer. But, like, <laughs> this thing... And, and and I suppose, like, I understand that, like, they have only so much money for um, special effects and, you know, you're making something with CGI. It's only going to look a certain way. Or perhaps it is in camera. I don't know. It looks like CGI to me. But, um, but they're so, like, that's real. That's real. It's like, can't you tell the difference between foam latex and a real thing? And I was just like, I wouldn't think that was foam latex at all. It looks like CGI. <laughs> but, um, you know, like that is, again, we have to suspend disbelief because, you know, you only have so much money. It looks like, you know, Adam Green has Adam Green money, but he probably didn't dedicate that much funds to this. Like, it couldn't have cost that much money. No, I think it's all physical. <clears throat> I think it is. Do you think that latex, that thing... Yeah. Do you think that that was in camera? I do. Okay. Interesting. I would love to. I would love to research that. Like, and not because I'm like I fucking doubt you, lids. It's just like <laughs> I just. I really. I genuinely don't know. I've been fooled before. There, when we watched The Conjuring too, I would have sworn that the Crooked Man was CGI, and uh, and no, that's all in camera. Which right? is fast. I I cannot <clears throat> wait to see more Crooked Man. Agreed. Personally. Yeah. Agreed. But, 
Um, yeah, so I could be dead wrong, but at the same time, you got like a wiggly mouth, like bulbous headed, um, quite, uh, quite mutated. It looks like it would never have been a human. It looks like an alien of some kind. Like it looks like, uh, fuck yeah. Like it just looks like an alien. Really. None of them really look human. And that's, I guess, the point of Deckard is that. This has been going on since like hundreds of years ago. Before, and I don't know if they really touch on this, but this is before there were the the choice to abort children earlier. I forget like selective abortion mm. and things like that, um, which isn't as popular here, or maybe just our food and our drugs and our healthcare systems just sort of help us to avoid having too many very rampant deformities. I'm not sure where that big difference was or if there was contaminations that were causing a lot more deformities because medical monstrosities is exactly what they were called. These children were called monsters. If you visit the Muter Museum, which I'm still so blessed that I had a chance to go and visit it once, and I will again someday, you see a lot of these medical monstrosities. That's what pickled punks were. So these were pickled punks that had carried on in life and being chased question mark underground for lack of a better explanation and like ray wise and like you'd said they have had births and marriages and divorces and lives so they've evolved into this perhaps it's possible i mean if, if we're going to suspend us belief that there is a world underneath the ground full of all kinds of different creatures at this point mm -hmm. um then fine i guess like but at the end of the day um nobody seems convinced except for will and adam and obviously deckard who believes all this now deckard i want to talk briefly about these artist renderings that he has of a lot of these uh, creatures it gives you this idea about what you possibly are looking at or looking for when you're looking at these things. And the thing that I find the most interesting about these character designs is their incorporation of everyday items that almost make it look like they're wearing weird vintage Halloween costumes from like, you know, when you see like really old photos of like, look at these kids from the twenties wearing Halloween masks and they look fucking terrifying like it's all very self-made and it's just you're not even really sure like what are they supposed to be like i don't know just weird looking i guess yeah like the mask in the movie cub and like all of them look like that or yeah 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 and uh it's it's weird it looks um like they're like some of them look like sack boys like some of them look like um the, the that woman with like the umbrella head and it's like there's eyes painted on it and you're like what the fuck like what is this and, and and there's a lot of human elements and you can understand that the, the the thing that they all lack is a discernible human silhouette. That is one thing that keeps all of these things um, really looking bizarre is when you look at them just objectively speaking, you can't really tell like where's their head, where are their shoulders, where's the neck, where's the chest. And then and then protruding from that would be elements that do look human, but the shape is wrong because there's a mass on top of them. And then things are described as as there are lumbering giant things. And then when you say lumbering giant things, I'm instantly thinking of like 
the Leviathan thing from the mist or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then they say that there's like chittering little ones. And we see one of those that is like a foot tall. Yeah. Um, and scrambling, screaming, weird little thing that you think, again, how could this have been human? Yeah, it's it's like you don't understand. I was like, I don't understand how it's just our DNA does not allow for something like that to survive. It's just so different. It's like it looks like it looks like a head with little chicken feet or something like that. Like a Slimer. Like, that's how come I keep it does look a lot like Slammer. I found the uh, first monster that we get to see looked a lot like Marge, the truck driver in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Or somewhat like that, anyway. Tell them, Large Marge sent ya. a scary scene. When they pulled the driver from the twisted, burning rack, his face looked a lot like this monster. Um, Speaking of pulling someone from a twisted, burning rack... Deckard will tell them that these 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 are misunderstood creatures. They are they are potentially our friends. They need to be understood and for the most part left alone to live in their society in peace. But they he tells a story about Umbra or Brella. Brella, that's it. Brella. Brella. And and he and he tells tale of this one of the members of the Marrow who hides their face with an umbrella. And has the the body of a of a rather shapely, attractive woman, and she took home a college boy and went off into the distance. He hooked up with them, and later the body washes up. Now Adam Green is really incredulous with this, but they do mention the fact, and there's like photos to corroborate this of. A, a man's face that's been mutilated beyond recognition, his hands and feet removed. He's basically a lump of flesh. And Deckard's warning is that within this society, there are those that would do regular humans harm. That's one thing that I really did like about this is the the believability and how a lot of the things Decker has to say that are the most believable and the most scary things are backed up with a whole bunch of footage or photos that we could sort of recognize. There were some really wild photos about this guy that they'd pulled out of the fucking mm-hmm. swamp who was a twisted burning wreck. Well, not burning, but like a rotting slippage wreck mm-hmm. of like, yeah, he was a floater. Um, when he's first introducing the idea of these monsters, they're showing a lot of these like old medical black and whites of deformed children Mm -hmm. so it does help with that believability and it does help sort of peak a little bit of that compassion within us i think that he's trying to drive home within adam green about how these monsters are misunderstood now he hasn't had any sort of interactions with them like this he says that he has spent Night after night after night in the graveyard, he's never gotten that close. He keeps them very far from the entrance of the marrow. So it is really weird. And when you mentioned, I never really gave it too, too much thought. Like, what is Deckard's point? He wants them to film this, but he doesn't want them very close. He wants them to know about this, but he doesn't want them to actually find out for themselves. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, It is because... There is a lot of mystery, we'll say, around the Deckard character. 
There are some things that we could definitely piece together. For example, when you see, I don't, I don't need horror movies. I could just use, sadly, real life. Uh, that when you see a basement with a chain on it or a heavy-duty padlock that locks from the outside, I mean, there's a person in there. <laughs> there's a person in there. That's what we know about. Or porn. Porn. Would you really put like a chain, a chain with a padlock that's wrapped around another doorknob? I don't know. Anyway, so like that's the, that's the type of porn that like <laughs> fucking go to jail for. Yeah, you go to like, jail. For. I guess you'd have to have children or something in the house or someone else in the house because he like totally lives alone. Obviously. Exactly. So you have that. And that's your first tip off, like, what's in there? Then you have this idea about where did you draw these pictures, all these images around? Did you draw those? Oh, I had them commissioned in the same breath. He will then uh, uh, accidentally mention his son. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Then another, and before that, another incident. They set up five, six cameras in and around the area uh, to film all night. Camera two mysteriously goes missing. And, I mean, Decker looks like he knows something. And so there's all of this shit adding up that makes it seem like they're, he's telling the truth. We know that he's telling the truth because we've seen things with our own eyes. Yeah. But he is also lying about random shit. So why would you tell half a tale? What's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, what are you trying to accomplish because either, in my opinion, you would want to tell nobody or you would want to tell everybody and prove it. And if you proved it, then profit or everyone who said you were crazy will know or or whatever. And But he seems to be adhering to a set of rules that he has not fully explained. And he certainly has not fully explained why he knows what these rules are. Is it from observation or is it from contact? It's got to be from contact. It's just got to be because he seems to know that he has. Well, he he talks like he. It's all conjecture that there is a labyrinth that these places are all connected. That there is this larger the community of monsters under there. But how would you know that by standing fifteen feet away in the dark every night? You wouldn't know all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to assume that there has been some sort of contact. And if you want to really try and pull at straws, in the basement must be his son. Yes. I mean, that that is that is 100%. You know, the second that he mentions his son and then Adam Green starts to, like, ask him about, wait, you never mentioned that you had any children. And... He seems to really like children because Will will mention that he has two kids. And, I mean, Deckard lights up like oh, he's totally. a totally different person. Yeah. And, uh, and um, but, and so the second you say that, I was like, oh, well, that's what's in the room. And he sort of talks about Brella in that way, like, okay, so he saw her, this monster, pick up a drunk college boy. And then they went down a dark alley and that's all he knows. But he knows that they... They fucked. He knows that yeah. somehow. Well, how do you know that? I don't know. I'm just saying that he picked her up. And they have a really weird conversation about he is adamant that they hooked up. They hooked up. And he keeps <laughs> saying, like, they hooked up. 
And it's like, how would you even know that? So you'd have to assume that somehow, somewhere along the line, he knows that there is interspecies breeding capable with these. With with some members of the marrow who, at the very least, look mostly human. And can pass. He mentions Halloween as well, which I just loved. How the monsters come from Midian. Oh, I mean the marrow. And <laughs> can mingle because they can wear a mask or wear an umbrella? <laughs> Question mark. I like that uh, Adam Green is like, yeah, like Halloween's always been my favorite time of year. It's like they say that historically it's when the veil between the spirit world and this. And he's like, there's no spirits. So spirits, I don't know like, anything about that. Yeah, this is real. These are real people. And he's really adamant about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, geez, man. Like, this dude's just trying to be, like, having some fun with you and getting excited about his weird topics. And you're just, like, cutting him off. It's like talking to my parents. But, like... <laughs> and they're really kind of at each other's throats. You almost think that the monsters aren't the real threat here. Ray Wise is. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, he still wants to tell this story. When... But, like, again... He seems to get frustrated anytime anyone questions him, anytime anyone wants any evidence of any of this. Um and and, and again, like it's it is kind of frustrating to watch because I don't know I can understand like someone like Adam Green being interested in a story like this, because it is interesting. But there definitely comes a point where Adam acknowledges the fact that. Deckard is likely just crazy because they have footage of him spoon feeding something, signaling something from the from the marrow's opening. And this is the biggest way what's happening, because you would think, oh, his son is there. But I'm like, no, his son's not. His son is in that room and we'll have evidence to support that later. So what? Who the fuck is he spoon feeding and petting? Like, what's happening? Like, How close to these is he? And is he has he fathered more than one, or is he treating them as if they are his children mm-hmm. and they're not biologically at all? Like, are we just being sickos here, thinking he's a monster fucker? Listen, everyone has that one uh, monster from Nightbreed that they would have sex with. I suppose. So I'm just saying that, like, it doesn't have to be the same monster for I can either confirm nor die <laughs> people have a monster from Nightbreed that they would like to fuck. Everyone's got one monster from Nightbreed that they would fuck, and I'll go into it more when we talk about Nightbreed. But <laughs> the look on her face, guys, is one of pure disappointment. <laughs> it, just because there's only one. There's other. Mo- there's got to be other fuckable monsters than the porcupine lady. We'll look into it. We'll look into it. <laughs> but you know, are are we just putting a lot on Ray Wise? I mean, I've already had like five different suppositions that aren't actually in the movie or verifiable. That's the thing. Like they don't mm-hmm. answer any fucking questions, so I don't know. Like and 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 again, like I don't need everything to be spelled out for me, but I would like a, like any sort of concrete direction. The thing that would the thing that I, I would assume is Deckard had a son that he was keeping locked up near the marrow. These things found out about it and demanded his release because he's chaining him up because it's his son and he should be with the marrow, and so. They allowed Deckard to 
at least see his son. They had visitation rights. Visitation rights. That is what I'm thinking. Now, the big loophole in, in that is why would the door still be chained up if his son wasn't in there? It doesn't make any sense. So, and and it's not until the end of the movie that we see the door is not locked anymore, and that makes a lot of sense. But like, that's the one hole in my theory that I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, where and it's a big hole. Like, it doesn't make any sense why that door would still be locked if his son wasn't inside. But if his son's not inside, who the fuck's he seeing? The mother of his child, perhaps. Um, Could be, but I think she'd be able to eat for herself. If yeah, she that's can the thing. Like he's the pet, like there's. Petting, yeah, and it, it is it, the only thing that we really know is that he's lying to us and to yeah. Adam Green because he goes out that same night and he like turns off all the cameras, but one he seems to have forgotten or something, mm-hmm. and he must have miscounted, and there was a missing camera in amongst all of that that night. But while they're reviewing the footage in another one of those scenes that don't really sell us on the fact that they're sold on this, mm-hmm. when they're reviewing the footage and while they're talking about the footage and while they're talking about how they're being had by a crazy man, we do see one of the monsters stand up who has a head shaped like a gravestone. So they could have been looking at that <laughs> monster for days who's yeah. just been sitting there. And this is right after they sort of sold, sell one another on it because they're like, okay, look, four hours later, something gets up out of the hole to the marrow and walks away. So do you think that he had somebody sit there for four, four and a half hours and then get up and walk away just so we could catch it on camera? No. Okay. So there really are people living underground that come out of the marrow. And at the same time, they don't really believe it. Then they miss another set of proof when we as the audience get to see somebody stand up and walk away mm-hmm. that they don't even get to see. All that they have just seen is that Decker turned off all the cameras. So he's lying to them. Mm-hmm. So they're really being jerked around too. So I guess it's okay that we're being kind of jerked around as for the why and wherefore and what the end game is really here. Does Does he want... The marrow dug up. Seems like he wants something done, but I don't even know if he knows what that is. But I will say the constant thing that he's been telling to Will and Adam is that if you fuck around, you get too close, they will bug out. They they will pack up and move. It'll be like they weren't even there. The yeah. hole will be filled in. It's yeah. happened to him before. Yeah. Uh, I like when they've set up this big light because they are like gotten this idea because okay you don't want us to like make noise or be obtrusive or scare them away or have lights uh, we're gonna set up a light permanently out there so it's not like scary and we're gonna set up cameras this is a lot like what people do to catch footage of bears and deers and you can go on YouTube and see all kinds of deer cam footage uh, like this where people have set up a light that the animals get used to and they're using the same idea and. They're all really proud of this idea where Ray Wise is like, yeah, I've done it before. Didn't work. <clears throat> and it works this time, though. So we do get some footage that way. But they are trying to, like, get closer without him being involved and sort of respect his wishes of not just tromping down there. Yeah. But I guess at the point, especially after, you know, he gets embarrassed, humiliated by his horror pals. Um, those are the people you don't want to be embarrassed by. Oh, no. Because they really give it to him. They're like fucking, 
He's like, oh, no, like, you know, I talked to him, like, one time, like, Adam Green, like, really, like, backs up on Tom Holland's, like, just fucking dragging his ass yeah. behind a bus. It's great. Big time. But um, he basically is like, fuck this. Like, fuck. Like, because, again, it's frustrating. It's like, yeah, come film this thing to see them. We can't have any lights. And like, oh, also, like, stay 50 feet back. And, oh, yeah, and, like, you know, don't question me on anything. And, like, I don't have any evidence to support anything I'm saying. And, you know, Adam Green has, like, other things he needs to do. There's, like, some TV show that he's working on. Yeah, he's working on Halston at the time. And for real was. And his um, director is, like, flipping out on him. Or his producer is flipping out on him for not writing anymore because they're into the third season or something. So, like... He does have other stuff to do. And he has a family. Well, a wife and a dog. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you know, uh, Deckard will even really say when he asks Adam Green if he has any children, he says no. And he's like, that explains everything to me. I'm like, no, it doesn't. What the fuck are you talking about, you busted old man? And it's like, anyway, so the point is, is like, Adam is going to just take matters into his own hand and he's going to basically go to that hole in the middle of the night. Might as well. If Ray Wise can go up there and spoon feed something and pet things and have a crying session at four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. time and time again and lie about it, then obviously people can get that close. So maybe these monsters aren't that dangerous. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, so he's just shouting down the hole and uh, him and Will are kind of like nagging each other and shit like that. And, so, I like his line where he's like, you know, out in the daytime when we're out here for filming, it's sort of like, wait, we're in the forest. But then at nighttime, it's the forest. Yeah, that's totally me. That's like my attitude all the time. That's exactly. it's, it's like the second we're like anywhere, we could be in like a populated campsite. And the second it's dark out, I'm like, Ugh. Now, they've been out there several times in filming. They've left cameras out there overnight. They know that there's a park ranger, so there's an element of safety. Would you... Like, I don't even know how far you would follow a cockamamie story like this to the forest, to a hole in the ground in an abandoned cemetery to film it would depend. Monsters. It's depend. It would depend on who's telling me this story. If I were telling you the story, I'd if really you were telling it. me the story, I would go with you. Yeah, okay. I would absolutely trust you. Now, if I was maybe being shady, would you go out there and investigate on your own? I don't think you would ever lie to me. I, I certainly no. like like um. I, I yeah. Like to self lie to Wes. <laughs> He'll least expect it. <laughs> I would be devastated. No, I don't think you would ever lie to me. But let's say, for the sake of the argument, um. Would I go by myself? No. You would basically have an opportunity to take me there and show me something, evidence that is compelling enough. Um, you might get me out there twice. But I would but you know, I would just be like, Lids, like, I'll be honest with you, man. Like you're talking crazy. I wanna believe you, but th- there's nothing like you're not convincing me. I'm not convinced. So mm-hmm. It takes a really special someone, a really special monster kid, I guess, to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out there into the woods at night alone be, and uh, figure this out. Exactly, because it because I'm not fucking Nancy Drew. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I'm not Harriet the Spy. I can't think of anything. The Party Boys. I can't, I'm not that person where, I, like, I have a rational 21st century adult brain. I love monsters. I will watch the shit out of Deadly Mantis. I will watch them. I will watch the man from Planet X. But, like, I don't think that that's real. I like it because it's not real. Um, and and so... Uh, like yeah. Victor Crowley. Like Victor Crowley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fun thing that they do with Adam Green becoming convinced, being sort of on the fence about all of this, and 
one of his friends reminds him, like, well, you're not afraid of Victor Crowley. Mm-hmm. He kills people, like, mm-hmm. but he's not real. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with these monsters. So he's going out there, like, 100% not convinced. Mm-hmm. He thinks that Ray Wise is taking, well, I keep saying Ray Wise. Deckard is taking them for a ride because he's already established that he wants their, he wants to believe in these monsters. In the same thing, he's going to stick his arm down this hole where these potentially dangerous mutations live? I think it's a, it's a matter of um, you you have put yourself in the, high, in the headspace of this is absolutely not real and I'm going in there with my horror cred bravado yeah. on, you know, it's like every fucking dipshit on Instagram that's just like puts up a meme about how something horrible would happen and they'd just be sitting there like, I love all this stuff. And I'm like, would you really? Yeah. Come on. So like, he has his arm down in the marrow and he, he pulls does the, the whole like, yeah. ah, it's got me, it's got me. Yeah. Like kidding. Yeah. Like he be- he becomes every frat boy in, in like a horror movie in the woods. The person who usually dies. Exactly. And and I'm sitting here waiting. This is the first time watched for me, right? So I don't, and I was like, is Adam Green going to get sucked into this fucking hole? Like, I, I was, I was like, I was like, this is what's going to happen. Fucking big Slimer arm, grab, pull into the hole, or something in that vein. Credits. But particularly <laughs> when, when Will goes there, I was like, oh yeah, that dude's fucking toast. Like, someone's toast. Yeah. Right? Um, and I was like, I guess, I don't know, we could watch a movie where Adam Green, the actual, <laughs> the actor, the, the, the director posing as an actor... Posing as a as the director Adam Green would die in this reality. Sure, why not? Um, that doesn't happen. Although he does lose his boot, and at this point, this loss of a boot spooks him to the to the uh, degree in which he doesn't want to go near the hole again. Not really, but he does want his boot back. His his rationale of like, you know what? I uh, was gonna throw away those boots. They were old. And I was going to throw those away when I got home. And then Will's like, so you're going to walk home in your sock? He's like, yeah, I'm going to walk home in my sock. That is, I would rationale that. I'd be like, yep. I, and you know what? Yeah, you would. And, and you know what? I'm going to just throw the other boot down there because I don't need two. <laughs> I don't need one. And it's kind of weird to walk with like one sock. If I'm just a dude in my socks, then that's better. And you know what? Whatever's down there now has two boots and they're nice boots. So <laughs> you you would do that. You would I would do that. Like that, there's yeah. there's there is no reality in which I would want my shoe that fucking bad. You wouldn't stick your arm down that second hole that just appeared. No. And to take my boot, not interested. I don't want that boot that bad. I have other boots. Boots aren't that expensive. Like <laughs> Adam Green, he's a man of action. He's a hero's hero. He is. He's got like a cool haircut and boots that he wants back. So it's not necessarily heroic, but he does reach his arm down there and get his boot. He wow. Does. Okay. And he does describe it that it's not that his boot got hooked on a root. Something pulled his boot off, which I can understand having worn many boots. It does take a certain... certain Finangling. Yeah, a certain finangling, a certain like, motion, a certain like know-how of the technique to take a human boot off. Uh, as a little tiny kid, I did get my rubber boot sucked off in the mud, but that was a little tiny kid foot in a giant rubber boot. So that happens. But this was, there was something down there. So he can't necessarily deny it. So it is kind of a tense moment, even though he's won his boot back and he's all like heroic, I suppose, at that point. And then Ray Rice shows up in probably the second jump scare. <laughs> this one didn't get me. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, 
I was genuinely not prepared for that first jump scare. Like I was really lost in the in the filmmaking, I suppose. Even though like everything was choreographed to give me a jump scare. I feel bad that I, we keep saying jump scare because that's not really like I don't know, it not necessarily is, and I usually think that well, that's a derogatory term nowadays. People seem to hate them. People who never knew they existed a year ago hate them. Uh, I've definitely uh, heard complaints from people who say that they don't like jump scares. I don't like jump scares that are just like loud noises. Yeah. Um, because, and there is an element of loud noises. Like, I would say that this startled me more than scared me, but I did say Jesus Christ. You did. <laughs> so. You did. Well, now they, they get a little startled because out in the woods is Ray Wise and he is pissed. Yeah, and they, and they are arguing. And this is the first time that Adam Green really kind of stands up for himself like he is he is really putting uh deckard to task about you fucking lied by the way there's no evidence they flew to fucking boston to go see if this if he was a former member of the police force there's no evidence to support that even though i mean it's a quick conversation but the 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 police chief there that's worked there for years doesn't know that person um, so so now it's down to like if that is your real name, Mister yeah. won't tell me about his son, Mister lying about this, Mister out here at night turning cameras off, feeding things in the hole. What the fuck? Yeah, put him to task. And then Deckard says something. He's like, you know, my name is my business. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. So Deckard's definitely not his fucking name. Um, and and so Deckard is really adamant that they at least take this down to the road we have to stop yelling here like we're making too much noise we're gonna ruin everything they're gonna they're gonna pack up and leave this is, that's his biggest fear is that these monsters are going to move to another place and he'll have to go on a search again but this has been 30 years of work well they have a fucking worse problem that's gonna happen oh what's that uh, a slimer attack. A slimer attack. Just when they're yelling, and it's almost like a little kid that's like, "Stop yelling!" Stop yelling. Um, that one seems to be a gooden. That seems to be kind of like, "Stop yelling!" Yeah, it's not like trying to bite their feet or anything. It just runs sort of through them all. This little slimer with chicken feet, as you. He does look like slimer, and that's how come I keep calling these guys slimers. They they look gushy, but like um. This is kind of like a situation where I think this scene is actually quite well crafted. I do like this scene quite a bit. Uh, I lament that more scenes are not like this in the film. Mm -hmm. But uh, what we have here is a couple of other friends that show up who are bigger, way bigger, and clearly I don't know if they would have killed them. But they certainly are making it seem as though they would. Yeah. One of them seems like, for the lack of a better word, it looks like a tapeworm and a giant turtle mixed together with a scary skull face. Um, a big turtle thing. And then another guy who's wearing... Uh, it looks like the character that was described as the guard or a ferryman. Whose or, name I can't remember. And I want to like say... Cleave or he, they, like, something. I can't remember the name that he had because he names him. He does. My parents used to do this with a colony of cats that used to live near my uh, cottage. They mm -hmm. they would see a cat and they would name it based off of like some arbitrary 
I can't even remember all their names, but every one of the damn cats had a name. And it was kind of like that. Like, Deckard was like, this is Little Bigfoot. And then... <laughs> little Bigfoot. Yeah, this is Little Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, so this guy pulls off his sack boy. His, it's, it looks like a, a bag, a big bag over the whole upper part of his body. He looks like he's like a fry guy almost. He's just got legs. He's like a grown-up Sam from <clears throat> Trick or Treat. Yeah. Pulls that off, and he's a big Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. But yeah, all, a, like sort of somewhat similar to the Creeper in Jeepers Creepers in yeah, a way. He, or like, I don't know, man. He just has some strange appendages that come out of his back. They look fucking dangerous. We Very. see that big turtle thing, if that's the same creature, has grabbed Deckard in the car. Because they're running. They're fucking running absolutely. These things are dangerous. Um, this giant purple arm has grabbed a Decker and stuff like that. And they are like, I thought for a moment that they had literally flipped that entire car. That's what I thought. So did I, I suppose they flipped the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought Will was definitely dead because, because he was, fil- he's like, I just want to get better shots. I just want to get better shots. And I was like, see ya buddy. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that is the, the, the death cry of a red shirt right there. It seems so. Speaking but, of red, we do get our final frame in this scene is them fleeing, luckily, lights, yeah. and the taillights on this monster well, as, as its arms are tracked back into wherever they'd come from. Mm-hmm. And, you, you get a sense that like these um, members of the marrow are sitting there at the opening being like, like some of them, probably the gentler ones, who are just like, you know, they're just they're curious. It's fine. They're not going to stay here. Like, they're going to leave. Blah, blah. We can't hurt them. And there's probably, like, the more dangerous ones, like, this fucking stupid. They're going to, like, they're nosing around. We don't like them around here. We should scare them or kill them or something. They know too much. Yeah, whether they're going to kill them or not, we'll never know. But it certainly does. It is effective. And if they've lived under the ground for centuries, they've probably been in this position more than once. And scaring Probably works very, very, very well, considering that they can pack up and move or which, dig themselves under and move. Which they might. They get back to Deckard's place and Deckard is like grabbing shovels and he's he's got to think of a plan. He's got to do something and they got to fucking get the fuck out of there. Adam says he's going to help them. He wants to go with them. We need two more cameras. We need this. What we need is a light. Well, we're going we're gonna to go with you. We're going to go with you because they believe. They 100% believe, and they understand Deckard's point that they are going to move. We've scared yeah. them. Or they're going to move. Yeah. And so, he doesn't want to let them go for whatever secret reason. Mm-hmm. But he convinces them, no, 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 no. I just have to plan. I have to plan this. I can't just go off half-cocked here. I need to plan this. Come back at dawn. We'll go out at dawn. You can bring mm-hmm. all the cameras and lights you want. Yeah, he's like you can film everything. I don't care, but I've got a I've got a plan. Um, he also says something that like he is going to lose him. He's going to th- there's something that's going to be taken away. Someone. That's how come I'm wondering if like they had forced him to release. His... Or whether they force or not, maybe that was the better place for his son to live. Yeah, and, and his son chose to join them yeah but I'm that bit like again like that's gonna lead into my next thing because I'm like really though because maybe whenever and that's like the the dangerous part whenever he had 
caught up with them, he would steal his son back, chain him up in the basement, and his son would break out and go back to the marrow. And then Ray would have to go through this whole like coddling, taming sort of thing again, mm-hmm. visiting the hole until he could catch his son and chain him up again, perhaps? Maybe. I mean, he's he had manacles back then. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, And poop. A lot of it. A lot of poop. When, when... Adam Green and Will get back to Deckard's place in the in the daylight. I like that Adam Green. Very convincing. Big sunglasses, coffee. You know what I mean? It looks like, early for a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm just like, oh yeah, that's like the quintessential. It's early. Fuck this shit. I love the idea of them like we got to stop for a coffee first. We can't go to this fucking underground cavern full of monsters unless I got my Joe. I need my mud lids. I, I would be in the same boat. I yeah. would probably be, I would show up with coffee. You would, you would have like, a, like, and the biggest blanket over you ever. Probably. Probably. Um, and you're just like, ugh. I was like, we're going to like a, a subterranean world of wonders lids. And you're like, man, Fucking early. Pretty much. I'd be like, hold up the septic cam guys, and we'll just put one of those great big snake cams down there, and we'll just, we don't need to go, actually. We can sit here and drink our coffee, shove this little line down their fiber optic camera. Might have been safer, but they don't have to worry about that, because when they try to get in, and they're going to find out that, like, no one's lived in Deckard's house for a year, that's kind of fucking strange, don't you think? So he's been squatting there with these boxes from Salem and all over, and his map and his strings and his clippings? Yeah, and they get there, and the place is completely cleaned out. It's got all its furniture, but none of the accoutrement, none of the uh, the expert's uh, hovel, none of his research, his life is 30-plus years. He's 61, so let's just even say 50 years of research and uh and, and shit um because he saw this the, the his first creature when he was like what do you say 11 or 10 or 11 or something like that young young so anyway um nothing's there they go into the room that is no longer chained up and yeah manacles and fucking plastic spoons plastic spoon like weird mm-hmm. like what's with the plastic spoons like you don't want to do dishes wasteful and Somewhat wasteful, but it could just be that they don't like the feel of metal on their teeth. Maybe. And feces down. He, like, lays newspaper down. Real, like, red dookies, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they, like, Little coilers. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this thing, like, poops like a dog. Like, that's weird. It poops like a malnourished dog. Yeah. A dog that has a sickness or something. It's not. It's being fed cheap cat food for a dog. Or yeah, something, some, it's something weird. But yeah. uh, nothing's there. They go to the hole, and not only is the hole filled in, but it looks like there's never a hole there. Yeah, like there's like brush over top of it, and, and that's how Deckard had described it. Like you would, they go, they fill in the hole. It's like they were never there, and that's exactly it. It's like they were never there. Well, I guess. That's credits. It, credits. No. It, no, we get another video. Well, we get Adam Green turns on his video, and it looks like the end of every found footage thing where someone has been like, like kept awake for like a month, or <laughs> or like you know he looks kind of like Lance from Grave Encounters, like all fucking crazy and wild and sweaty and and shit. And it's been a month since Deckard vanished, and they haven't really done anything. With His it, phone and, eventually disconnected. They couldn't get in touch with them anymore. But uh, interestingly enough, 
Camera two is returned, miraculously sent to him. And the way he sort of says it was delivered. Yeah. And then he just rolls the footage. And we get footage. Now, initially when I saw this footage, I was like, oh, is this from the night that the camera went missing? That'll be interesting. And we hear the sounds of flies. Something is attracting them. Um, There was flies. There was the sound of flies and shit in Deckard's holding room for his son. Uh, I was wondering if that was just because of the shit or if this thing, if that was his son holding the camera. Hard to say. But at the very least... It's in the the marrow. It's it's going through these this t- system of tunnels, which is what I always envisioned. How Cynthia in the Night Face novel moves around underground, mm. and we get to see more glimpses of that in Night Face too, which is super fun. So I liked. I really double liked going into the marrow. Mm. Like we were talking about, you you're digging as a child. I dug a lot, yeah. Yeah, you dug into places where you would have, if you were digging underneath, been able to look up and see the roots like this. Yeah. So it's very believable. I'm not sure really where they would have filmed this. Not sure, but uh, and but we don't see it open up into like a grand golden city like it's fucking Hellboy or something like that. Um, we see, which by the way, a lot of this reminds me of like Guillermo del Toro's like Troll Market and mm-hmm. like a lot of the creature designs and stuff like that, but... Um, when we go here, all of a sudden we see a cage and within that cage is a naked man. And that naked man is who? Deckard. Deckard. He is terrified looking and he's being not treated very well. That's for sure. They're shaking the cage and forcing him to talk. Yeah. This is, (laughs) this is like... One of those terrorist videos, like where they show someone that they're about to behead, and then they're like, the person's like, everything's fine. It's like, you know, I have been. The food here is good. The That's food, what you would yeah, say. That made like, me laugh. The food, the food here is very good and nourishing. I am not being oppressed or mistreated in any way. Deliver this money. There are no monsters. It's wild. If anyone. And, and like, that's how come I, I was like, these guys are intelligent enough to. They clearly have an understanding of the human world. They clearly have a language. They clearly they know how to operate a camera. They know how to operate a camera. They know what things are. They are not stupid. They are not monstrous. Oh, well, they're monstrous, but they're not like mindless creatures. Yeah. But yet they don't have like an understanding enough to know that if you were to shove a camera in someone's face and say, I was wrong, there's no monsters, and they're like shaking the cage, I'm like, all right, like, so there's definitely 150% monsters though, yeah, right? Yeah, Like, because this is not <laughs> convincing at all, but I don't think that like, but on the other hand, it might not even be made to be convincing because how was this thing delivered? This is very much like the 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 film The House is October Built, where everyone's asleep and they go inside their Winnebago and they like film them and shit. You see somebody... With a with a real club foot, we'll say, and, and they're really short because the um, doorknobs of all the doors are pretty much at eye eye level, just a little below. They just seem to break short. break open the front door there, and yeah. and you hear the heavy breathing, and it's like lim- limping along, and then makes its way to Adam Green's uh, bedroom, not without like shoving the camera right in his wife's ass for a bit, and then puts the camera down. 
reaches out to almost touch Adam Green's face, lifts the camera again to like kind of show his wife. The implication there to me is pretty clear. It's like, we got in here, we can hurt you. And if you don't care about yourself, uh, you got to be a real shame if anything happened to your wife over there. That's what the implication is. And then you like, and I snip off a bit of your cloak. Yeah. I snip (laughs) off a bit of your cloak. And, and, and then slams the camera down and like makes a god awful wail. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's the implication. It's just like, I don't know how convincing it's supposed to be, but it was essentially like the fucking marrow mob came and said, like, hey, you didn't see nothing, all right? Like, it's that. <laughs> that was good. I like that you straightened your tie, My quote t- unquote. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. That was good. Okay, Tony. Yeah. It's a real nice house. Be ashamed if anything happened to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, anyway, give your regards to my wife. So, yeah. He got he got bamboozled by the end. Strong by the, the Midian mob, as he put it. Yeah, the marrow, the marrow mob. The marrow mob? The marrow mob. They, like, that's, what it, that's what it's like. An, it was an intimidation. Yeah. It's just like, you didn't see nothing. That's all it is. It's like, and, and so credits were done. Now, that is the end of that. Now... You had wanted more monsters, like any good monster kit. Yeah, so... It left you wanting. It it left me wanting, and also, I think you actually talked about something that... I was like, oh, maybe that's my problem. I liked this movie. I don't love this movie. I, I think that there's a lot of good ideas. Creature design, yes. Concept, yes. Deckard... Yes, these are all cool things. I like mm-hmm. those things. Um, but again, just talking about the story, strictly from a narrative speaking, I find Deckard too slippery. Like it's it, and, and it's not so much that I need everything spelled out for me, but it's it's so inc- inconsistent. There's so many branching things. What are you lying about? What is he telling the truth about? We don't even know this guy's real name. He was a private detective? Probably not. Um, he's been squatting in this house. What? And these <laughs> these things to, like like after 30 years now is the only time that these monsters have decided like, you know, hey, you didn't see nothing. What? So and and then also you had really one really good scene where you were showing some monsters and then there was a couple other scenes around where they're like, it's a little Bigfoot. I'm like, I didn't even see, like what's monsters about that guy. I couldn't see anything. Like I couldn't really tell. And the stone head guy was interesting and they show stuff, but like, there's just, it's not enough. Like I, and I, I'm not saying let's go to the marrow. Let's see everybody. But like, just some understanding you like Adam green, left there with no more understanding about the marrow than what he had within the first five minutes of the film. And so I just, I'm kind of like, you almost were going somewhere with this. And then you decided to be like, well, the monsters don't want any part of this and they want you to like stop filming and like stop snooping around. And we're just going to like take Deckard. And to me, it's kind of, a cop out that makes it seem as though Adam Green didn't really know where he was going with this, mm-hmm. where he was just like, "There's monsters underneath the ground, and they're real," and yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, and 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 so like, I was just like, I wanted a more, 
a more of a payoff to be like, oh, like you like wreck is a good example of like what's happening. And then they give you a very mild explanation and they're very explicit in the sequel, but let's pretend that the sequel never happened. And let's just look at the wreck film by itself. In the first one, there is a lot of ambiguity and confusion. But, but at the same time, they still give you, oh, okay. So like, it's a religious thing. Like there, it's perhaps a demon. It's not an infected, perhaps. It's it's a it's and you're it's, satisfied with not understanding. Yeah, yeah, but like for some reason, I'm just not satisfied with not really knowing what these guys are up to. But that doesn't mean that the movie's bad. I, no, it's fun. It's a fun, fun, fun. Yeah. and it is a horror fans horror film. It is so a we horror fans have a lot of fun horror film yeah. with that. Uh, I I enjoy it because I'm I'm of course always fine with that ambiguity, and I create a whole bunch of other fictional storylines that aren't actually in the movie. So maybe that's part of my problem—not problem with it, but my problem as to why I don't need any more things stitched up in this. Because I just fucking make up a whole bunch of stories in my head that work. For you me. know, like if you're talking about something that could launch a thousand ships, yeah. this film could definitely do it. Yeah. This film. You know, I would like to see in a, in a few years maybe someone other than Adam Green do a sequel because they were like, "What? I want to tell a story." Or uh, even Adam Green for real yeah. do a sequel because he's he's a fine filmmaker. Oh yeah, like I, again, like this is not. I, I'm not dogging on Adam Green at all. Like he's yeah. he's he. I love Frozen and I love Hatchet. Um, you know, he's he, I, I, and and again, all the things that I like about this movie, it does more right than wrong for me. I just I suppose like. The thing that I was here for was monsters, and I just wanted more of an explanation or a more of a con. Like if they had just, if they never elaborated more on the marrow and the monsters, but they elaborated on Deckard's situation, like what the fuck actually happened with him, like who this fucking guy was, I would be satisfied with that. But since you have two pillars of this story, Deckard and the creatures of the marrow and no questions are answered on either one of them. I'm just like, ah, like you just set up a bunch of stuff and I don't have payoff for either one. It would be fun if there were a chance and maybe time will heal all wounds because Adam green was a little bit pissed about piracy with this particular film. Oh yes. A lot like the ABCs of death. How that turned into, you won't get any more ABCs of death because everyone stole the fucking movie. Right. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, says Adam Green. If 10% of the assholes who stole that movie had seen it legally and paid to see it there, 100% would have been doing a Digging Up the Marrow Part 2. But that movie was pirated to all fuck. We can't do Digging Up the Marrow 2 without some sort of budget. More of a budget than we had on the first one. And the budget wasn't a joke on the first one either. Hmm. Mm. He he raises a very compelling point. That's why, like I have said it for years, I was like, theft of media is why you don't have nice things, people. Yeah. It's like you want to like people moaning that Ash vs Evil Dead got canceled after se- after three seasons, and they're like, but it was a cliffhanger. There was like another season of stories to tell. I'm like, you should have bought it. Yeah. Like, 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 but you all downloaded it. And you're just like, well, you know, yeah, I'm not going to pay for it. I'm like, well, then you don't get it, do you? Like, and, and so, yeah. 
Like, uh, I, mean, I don't blame him for being doubly protective of his wares. And, and not forward. only doubly protective, but he was he's right to call people out. Like, like and I love when filmmakers do that. I it's, do too. It's like, you know, you guys, if everyone who pirated this movie bought a ticket, you would have more of this. And now they're cutting the revenues of filmmakers who are distributing on streaming platforms. I guess that bubble's slowly bursting. Yeah. So... You know, to say, oh, if we rent, like I rented Frozen, or did I buy Frozen? I bought Frozen digitally long after its release. So he gets, you know, maybe a fraction of a penny eventually Mm -hmm. for that. Like, that's that's sad and unfair. Yeah. But yeah, so there isn't a Digging Up the Marrow 2, but there is the sequel, Nightbreed. (laughs) Which is the film that we're doing Next, uh, I I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be excited that we're going to be covering Nightbreed. I have not decided yet, and I've been asked which version we're going to go for. Are we going to hit the Cabal Cut? Are we going to sit here for how long? Have we seen the Cabal Cut, both of us? No, I've never seen the Cabal Cut. Oh. I know it exists. Wow. Uh, I'm not entirely wanting to watch that. Like, you'll get, like, we can do theatrical or director's. Uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Okay. Theatrical for tightness because it's a long movie. And that's how we had originally watched it. Yeah. So I am leaning toward that, but how about we take in, we have two weeks, Yeah. lots of time to take in extra tidbits here and there. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll have some conversation about the things that weren't in the theatrical. Yeah. And there are things in the director's cut that I misremember as having always been there yeah yeah so yeah it'll probably be a big mishmash so maybe you won't be able to tell which one we're covering (laughs) even though we're telling you right now or if you've skipped this one entirely because you're not an adam green fan or something and you're just gonna watch it now you'll never know we'll have we'll have the cabal cut chained up in a fucking uh, basement with like newspapers laid down so it can shit on the floor. And I'll be speed, spoon feeding the director's cut. <laughs> I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.